Well, good morning. Thanks for being with us this morning uh, on this beautiful Sunday morning. I'm glad you're with us. I'm glad that you're here because I believe that just like Joshua, you're going to cross over to the Jordan. You're going to the promised land that God has called you to go to. Amen? Amen. I think sometimes we've been wandering in the desert too long. You know, today's a new day. I really believe that. And if you're worshiping with us for the first time, thank you for being here. We just want to uh, welcome you and bless you after service. If you stop by the information center, we have a little uh, gift for you there. So, but I want to preach a message today that is not completely my message. I have to give a credit and honor where it's due. Part of this comes from another pastor from Las Vegas. His name is Jabin Chavez. He preached here before for us. So I use some of his message, and God's word isn't copyrighted. We can use it. We can share it. And so uh, I want to let you know that, but uh, uh, some of it is his, and some of it is what the Lord gave me to share for you today where we're at, and it's called Amazing and Wonderful Things. Can you say that? Amazing and Wonderful Things. Who wants amazing and wonderful things to happen in their life? Then you're in the right place today. But I'm going to tell you something. It's just not going to happen. Like, we're not going to, like, hang out on the couch watching Netflix, and all of a sudden God's going to pour amazing, wonderful things in our lives. Well, there's going to be some things that we're going to need to do as believers, as followers of Jesus, right? Nothing's easy. There's, there's, there, we've got to step out in some areas. And so uh, I want to share this message with you. So if you have your Bibles or a cellular device or a tablet, computer, something that you have the Bible on, you can go ahead and open that this morning to the book of Joshua chapter 3. Um, if not, the words uh, and the scriptures will be on the screen. Let's just stand for a moment as I read seven verses to you as we honor the Word of God. This is the account of Israel starting to cross into the, over the Jordan into the Promised Land. Joshua chapter 3, verse 1. It says, in the morning. Say morning. Morning's important. We've got to give God our morning. It's the first. It's the best. We've got to give God the mornings. In the morning, Joshua got up early. Who does not like getting up early? All right, then you need to listen to this. We've got to give our God our best. We've got to get up early. It's when we're the sharpest. It's when we're the freshest. It's when we're not cluttered with all the day's garbage in our mind and in our hearts. He says he got up early. And he went to the, all the children of Israel, set out from, uh, he said he got up early, then he and all the children of Israel set out from Siddim and came to the Jordan. And they stayed there before crossing over. And after three days, the officers went through the camp and they commanded the people, when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the uh, Levite priest carrying it, then you shall set out from where you are and go behind it. Some translations say follow it. The Ark of the Covenant. This was the Ark of the Covenant, what it looked like. It's not the real Ark. Okay, it's a, it's a, it's a replica. Uh, it's not real gold. It's spray-painted gold. But it gives you a visual connection to what it was like then because this was the presence of God where it was. This, is when, when this, this was God. This is where God was. You've got to read about it in the Old Testament. This is the Ark. So where this was, they, they said, when you see the ark going, you need to go. When you see God going, you need to go. And it says this, and you need to follow it. That's key. Follow. Not lead it. Follow it. And there you must be a distance of 2,000 cubits between you and it. Don't draw closer to it in order that you may know the way you should go, for you have not passed this way before. I love it. Follow the ark because if you're leading, you're going to go, you're going away, or God's going to lead you in a direction you've never gone before. And so let God lead you into that new area instead of trying to figure it out on our own. Someone's with me today. Joshua said, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow. The Lord will perform wondrous deeds among you. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, let this word really speak truth to us today. Father, we want to cross over. We, we want to go into those promises, those purposes, those dreams, those visions that you've given us. God, just like Joshua, and you took the nation and you crossed over, let today be the beginning day where we begin to, to, to consecrate ourselves, to set ourselves apart, to go over to where you're leading us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated. Now, prior to this, 
I don't know if you guys know the story of Moses, but Moses led a people out of bondage, right? And so Moses took God's people and was beginning to lead them to the promised land. But they got to the desert. And then when they got to the desert, things got difficult. And when things got difficult, people got crazy. They did. You got to read the story. You got to read how crazy it got. It got to the point where they were making other gods to worship, even though they saw visible signs of what God was doing by feeding them, by leading them, by you had the, the ark. You had all these things. You had the tent of meeting. And all of a sudden, it's like, it's like insanity set in to this nation of people. And so for 40 years, they wandered and wandered and wandered until a whole generation of people died off. A whole generation did not obtain the promises of God. They saw God move. Some had relationship with God to its extent, but they missed it. Their unbelief and their disobedience stopped them from going into the promise of what God had for them. And so they didn't ever inherited or experience the true freedom that God declared that they would have. I want, I want to declare today that we will not be that people, amen? amen? That we will not be a people who will not obtain the promises that God has for us. That we won't be a wandering people, a wandering people aimlessly looking for the next best thing to get us to where we need to go. But we will not wander, but we will sit under the teaching and under the guidance of God Almighty because he has what's the best for us. See, they wandered for 40 years. Maybe we're wandering today. Maybe we have promises and we have a prophetic dream or we have a vision or a plan that we know that God has given us for our life and for our family and for where we need to go. Let today's message encourage you. Let today's message challenge you. Let today's message kick you in the butt. Did you just say that? Yes, I just said that. So we need to be kicked in the butt sometimes by God and the Holy Spirit. We need to be pulled back over to the, way, to the lane that we're supposed to be in. And so let today's message speak truth to you. Because if you look in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, we can learn from Israel's mistakes. It talks about how we're not to repeat it and, and, and do those things that they did. Because they were a people of God. They had the promises of God. There was the love of God. But they never entered into the, into the fullness of what God has for them. Think about that. So let's learn from their mistakes. Let's not live in disobedience. Let's not live in unbelief. Let's not live in a dimension where we're trying to be God. We're trying to lead God. Trying to manipulate God. We're trying to twist the scriptures. But let's just be a people that will be faithful be a people that will surrender all that we are for all that God has for us. Amen? So here it is. So Joshua is standing. Uh, it, it, he's, well, chapter 1, he's called. God goes to Joshua, Joshua. I, lo I love God. He's like, hey, Joshua, Moses is dead. I think Joshua knew Moses was dead. I mean, if the leader of the nation is dead, I think it kind of gets through camp, Right? But God's like, hey, Joshua, Moses is dead. My friend, you're the next leader. He didn't sign up for it. I didn't read anywhere where he was like, hey, God, when he's gone, I want to be the guy. No, God chose him because there was a call on his life. You need to hear that. Someone in here needs to hear that. Sometimes God's going to call you into things that you didn't volunteer for. And that reason is because there's an anointing. There's a call on your life for that specific task or for whatever God's calling you to do. And so he says, Joshua, you're the leader, but what you need to do, Joshua, is please be strong and courageous. Actually, be very strong and very courageous. Study the word. Don't let the word of God depart from your mouth and don't turn to the left or right. Stay focused in and, and follow me. Go where I'm going to lead you. And so fast forward to what I just read to you. Now they're on the, they're on, they're on the, they're on the edge of the water. They're on the edge of the Jordan. It's right here. There, there's the water. There's the promise. It's right there. They can see it. And if it wasn't flood season, they can actually throw rocks from one side to the other side 
and it would land on the promised land where they were yet the, the land that they weren't in yet. And so it wasn't like something they couldn't physically see or physically even probably throw a stone onto. But there it was. And he's like, you're going to take this whole nation of people over there because what I have for you, the promise of greatness, the promise of provision, the promise of milk and honey that you will have for your entire life, it rests on the other side of the water. So I'm going to take you and all your people over there. But here's what you have to do, Joshua. There's a couple things you need to do to get there. The first thing, Joshua, if we're, is the first thing that we should be doing. If we're going to obtain amazing and wonderful things in our life, or what God wants to do, we have to do what Joshua was instructed to do. We must be followers of the ark. We must be followers of God. In other words, God must be before us. I love what it says. It says, keep your distance 2,000 cubic. I don't, I, I should have, I should have got like real super deep and spiritual and did the estimation of how, I, I believe it's like 2,000 yards is what that roughly may be. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how far it is. It was 2,000 cubics. For the, for the sake of today, we'll just say, we're not going to say because I don't want to be like, he's a heretic preaching not truth on the Bible. All I know is he was like, listen, Joshua, I'm there, or God's there, I'm there, and you need to be back here. Why? I thought about this. I have weird thoughts when I study for the scripture. I, I, why would they be like that? Because if I'm going to follow, I have to be able to see what I'm following. Because he's in front of me. And if God, and I'm following God, begins to veer to the left, if I'm following God, I better be able to see the veering and hear the veering and begin to veer to the left. But then, all of a sudden, God may say, okay, we've gone left enough, let's go back right. And so, wherever he would go, being at a distance, we can see, or they can see the ark and follow exactly in the footsteps of where God wanted them to go. We're to keep our distance, now, we're not to keep our distance from God. Because you know that, right? We're not, no, don't go home and say, oh, pastor says we should stay away from, no, 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 no. We should be intertwined with the presence of God. We should, we, we, we should be in a, in a divine, intimate relationship with God. But we're to follow God from, allowing, or, or, from the stance of allowing him to be in front of us. See, I have never read in the scripture where it says, hey God, follow me. I know the right way. But you know what? We do that a lot, don't we? Whoa, we do. Oh my gosh, I've done this. I've gone out. In in the past, I don't do it because I, I, I know when I go out on my own, I'm just a failure. We're like, God's giving me a dream and vision. I got a plan. I got to get this done. I'm just going to go do this. And God's like, hey, I'm back here. I'm about to turn left, and you're trying to go right. And we're like, come on, God, where are you? Where are you, God? Come on, let's go. I got to get this done. And God's like, no, you can't get it done without me. You need me to make a way where you can't make the way. Did you ever think, seriously, think about this, Uh, I'm going forward, and all of a sudden I run into a mountain. Oh no, what am I going to do? I'm not a mountain climber. I don't like heights. I, I don't want, ten foot ladders, that's about it. I'm done. But uh, uh, if I'm leading, now, now, I'm dis- now I'm discouraged, I'm distracted, I want to quit, I want to give up, and now I'm blaming God. God, you called me to go to this place, and now I'm at this mountain, and he's like, I called you to go there, but I called for you to follow me because I know how to get you there. And so you went out on your own, you, you disobeyed what I told you to do, you stopped following me, you're trying to convince me to come with you, and I'm God, I've created heavens and earth, and you think you know more than me. And he's like, no. I'm back here. Get behind me. Let me show you what I'm going to do. 
And so if we're following God and we get to the mountain, just maybe God looks at the mountain and says, you know what? I'm going to make it easy today. I'm going to put a tunnel through for you. And he makes a way where we just walk through the mountain. Or maybe he says, you know what? You, you, I need to build a little more tenacity, a little more, little, little more uh, whatever in you. So we're going to climb the mountain this time. Next time we'll put the tunnel through. See, so if we're following and we're allowing him to lead, it's a whole different ball game. It allows us to get to where he wants to take us. And in this particular instance, it is to the promised land. And when we follow him, we have to be patient. You can't force God. Palm Sunday, we, we celebrate 34 years as a ministry. 34 years. There's still stuff that hasn't been complete from what God spoke 34 years ago. Think about that. 34 years. So we can't force. We've got to be patient. We can't try to manufacture God moving. See, I believe, I believe that today, I believe we just came through a desert experience like the Israelites. I believe we just came through a desert experience like that the past two and a half years. <laughs> well, what do you mean? Because there's been a shaking and a sifting in the church. And what we have is a remnant of people that through it all said, you know what, God, no matter what, I will continue to serve you. No matter what's going on, no matter what's happening, no matter what I see with my own natural eyes, God, I won't doubt you. I won't doubt that your hand is upon me in the midst of this world pandemic. I won't doubt that you will be my provider in the midst of this giant inflation. I won't doubt that you'll protect me and watch over me no matter what is going on around me. And I think what happened was in the midst of all, all, the, all, the, all the craziness, we had, we, we were, there's, there's been people like those individuals wandering who, who began to become uh, unbelieving. They, they began to become disobedient. They began to walk away. And, and now what's left is a remnant, a, a, a new beginning of what God wants to do. And so today as believers, we even as a church are standing on the edge of the Jordan. And God's saying, man, I got so many good things for you in 2022 and in 2023 and 2024. And so I'm going to get you there. But, but individually and corporately, what I got you, to, you have to do is you have to start to follow in a greater dimension than you've been following. But I know, I, I know you can follow better. We can't be like my little dog. I found out something about my little dog the other day. He can't walk straight. He walks like this. This is no joke. He actually walks underneath the big one and comes back out. He can't walk straight. He just can't follow the big one. He can't. And we as believers, we got to stay straight. We got to follow the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. We got to follow God Almighty. We got to follow him. Joshua, follow me. We're commanded to follow. When Jesus was on the seaside, he was putting together his team. Every team member that he went up to, every disciple he went to, what did he say? He said, follow me. He said, follow me. He didn't say, lead me. He said, follow me. And as believers, we have to follow. We have to follow. We have to follow. We have to be courageous. In that following. Like Joshua, we have to be courageous because it's going to take courage to follow God. It's going to take strength to follow God. See, because you've got to be courageous when there's a change of direction and a course of what God, or God's taking us. You've got to be courageous to have the faith to continue to follow him when all of a sudden the, it becomes very unknown of where we're going in the dimension. When the answers to the questions that we're asking are not being answered as quick as we want them to be, we have to have courage to believe that God's in it. We have to have courage to believe that, that, that it may not be happening now, but it's going to happen because he promised it. We have to have courage to stay faithful and follow God when everybody else is saying, you're crazy, you're an absolute lunatic, that's nuts, it's not going to happen. We have to have courage to continue to follow God when everybody else is keeping silent and God's saying, step up and say what I want you to say. Be my mouth. We have to have courage to be followers. Is there any courageous people here or online today that are willing to follow? 
We have to have courage to believe when everybody else is doubting and saying it can't happen and it won't happen. And we have to have courage to say, no, it will happen because I serve the God Almighty, the creator of the heavens and the earth, the one who formed the water and the sky and the birds and the fish. That's, and it will happen. It will come to pass. I don't see it now, but it shall come to pass. See, we need to have these two statements. Is anybody warm up in here? Maybe it's just me. I have a couple of tissues. I got to start bringing a hanky. I got to start bringing a towel. So I can start hooting and hollering. And yeah. Hmm. Thank you, Jesus. My roommate in college, he's a pastor. He preaches with a towel on his shoulder. He gets it going. It's awesome. So we have to have courage. Let's make these two statements that I'm about to tell you and share with you our personal and church motto. How does that sound? Let's make these statements be our motto, our, 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 what we're going to stand for. Now, they're, they're deep. They're spiritually deep. So you've got to write this down. Grab, grab a pen, grab something in the pew. In front. Write this, these two mottos down because you, you, you need to know these. Now, the first, one that we, the first statement that I want to share with you, this should become our personal church motto. Are you ready for it? Here it is. God, if you're not in it, I don't want to be a part of it. Think about that. God, if you're not in it, I want no part of it. None. God, if you're not in what's happening there, I don't want to go there. I don't want to, I don't want to be a part of it. I need to know that I know that you're in it, you're leading it, you've called it, you've ordained it, you're anointing it, Holy Spirit's all over it. If you're not there, I'm out. I don't care how good it looks. I don't care how much money I can make. I don't care if your hand is not in it and you have not created it or you have not called it to come to pass. I want no part of it because that's not where I need to be. Because if I'm going to be a part of that, I'm going to tell you what, I'm gonna, something's going to happen and it's not going to be good. So my first motto was, if you're not in it, God, neither am I. But it looks so good. It looks amazing. But God, you're not in it. I want no part of it. And the second one is this. God, whatever you say, I'll do. Whatever you say, God, I'll do. God, you want me to shout? I'll shout. God, you want me to shut my jaws? I will shut my mouth. God, you want me to, you want me to go to Africa? You want me to go to, to, to Zimbabwe? You want me to go to New Zealand? You want me to go to Papua New Guinea, God? You want me to go to downtown Angola? You want me to go to the east side, the west side? Do you want me to go to the village of Hamburg and declare the gospel? God, I'm going. If you want me to go, I'm there. God, if you want me to raise my hands in worship, let me know. If, you want me to, if, you, if, if you're leading me to lay prostrate on the floor during worship, I'm going to lay, and I don't care what anyone thinks about me because it's not about what they're thinking. It's about me worshiping you, King. If you're not in it, I'm out. Whatever you want me to do, I'm in. Tell me what it is. I'm all in. This is what we have to do. Because the reality is that following Jesus becomes, means that he becomes everything to us. He's my everything. And Father, we pray for that right now. That, Lord, no one would be seriously hurt, killed, or injured. We don't know what that's going on, but we hear those sirens. So, Father, let your hands be upon whatever's happening there, Lord. In Jesus' name. Mm. Following Jesus means that he becomes our everything. Here's the fact of life. Everybody will follow something. We will all follow something. We will follow friends. We will follow pop culture. We will follow selfish ambitions. We will follow family. Some people will follow the devil. But we must follow God first, and only God. Becoming a follower of Christ means he's everything, and we follow him. God's not looking for halfway disciples. You know that, right? 
God's not looking for a halfway disciple. Someone who's only in on a Sunday morning or only in on a Tuesday afternoon or only in when it's convenient for, for them. God's looking for full-time, sold out. God, if you're not in it, I want no part of it. God, if you say it, I'll do it. Disciples who are willing and ready and able to step out and to follow and not try to lead and manipulate and manufacture something that God or we want God to do in our lives or in, in, in a circumstance or situation. God wants a full-time committed disciple. And the reality is we can't be that without the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. I love this because, you know, God even knew that. Think about the disciples before the Holy Spirit came. Think about my, one of my favorite disciples, Peter. He's a train wreck at times, Peter. But he just says stuff, do stuff. But all of a sudden, he was denying, he's all this stuff. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit comes. And, and the Peter, who was afraid to even say that he was with Jesus, after the Holy Spirit comes, he's like, he's like 110% sold out because the first thing he does is he tells everybody what they did to Jesus and how wrong they were and that Jesus is the one that brings us eternal life and he's the one that we need. Why? Because the Holy Spirit. Why? Because God said, Jesus said, listen, I'm going to go, and when I go, I know you need something. You need some help. And, and Abba Daddy knows you need help too. So what we're going to do is we're going to send the Holy Spirit. And, and the Holy Spirit's going to come. And the Holy Spirit comes to bring strength, comes to bring courage, comes, to, comes to, to encourage us, comes to advocate for us, comes to empower us, comes to strengthen us, comes to, give us uh, comes to give us a prayer language. We no longer even know what to say in the natural, but all of a sudden the Spirit bubbles up because I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. And this, this, this prayer tongue begins to come out. And he says, you need that. And he says, it's for you. you got to take it. I'll be honest with you. I, I, without the Holy Spirit, I, I, I don't know where I would be. I, following Jesus would be so hard. It'd be so hard because I am a fleshly person. We all are. We're human. I'm emotional, if you haven't noticed. I get emotional. And without the Holy Spirit, man, I get real emotional real quick. Like, it gets sideways fast. And so it's the Holy Spirit, the whole... I, the Holy Spirit is like my wife at times. I can say something, and I can feel my wife looking at me, and I can look over to her, and she's just like, see, that little, that means I, I took it too far. It means I said something I shouldn't have said. I acted a way I should. The Holy Spirit's the same way. I'm about to do something, all of a sudden, it's like this, this voice in my head, and it, 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 it's a good voice. It's a great voice because he's like, yo, man, don't do that. Don't, don't, don't. He doesn't call me by my full name. He doesn't, he's not like Thomas Matthew Smarts Jr. He's like, Tommy, don't do it. Please don't. Let's go here. So he, God knew. God knew that we would struggle because of our humanity. So he gave us this amazing gift of the Holy Spirit to help us to follow. And so we're going to strive after him. We're going to strive after him. We're going to strive after him. And so because God wants to take us into new lands, he has new plans for us and purposes. And I believe like Joshua, I believe that there, these lands that God is going to take us to, these dreams and vision that God gave you, it's going to be flowing with milk and honey. It's going to, it's going to be a whole new level, a whole new ball game. But we have to follow and when you, but to follow, you have to know the voice of the one leading you. You have to know the voice. John chapter 10. John chapter 10 says this. It says, verse 3, To him the doorkeeper opens. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by the name, and he leads them out. Do you see that? He calls us, and he leads us. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them. The sheep don't lead him. He goes before them. And the sheep follow him. Again, the voice is, is recognizable. The shepherd gathers the sheep. He then leads the sheep 
into the pastures of where they need to go, into the promised land, into those areas of flowing of milk and honey. And it says, and yet they never will follow a stranger, but will run away from him, for they do not know the voice of a stranger. That's why we must know the voice of God and understand his voice with clarity, because there are other voices that will speak to us that we may not recognize, and we may get caught up and follow. So we have to definitively know what God is saying and how God is leading us. And that's why it's important to have the Holy Spirit. It's so important. He helps with that. The second thing is that, y'all with me so far? Y'all good? All right, good. The second thing, he says to Joshua, now this is, this is awesome. This one's going to hurt. Following was easy. This one's going to hurt. He says, Joshua, in verse 5, Consecrate yourself, for tomorrow the Lord will perform wondrous deeds among you. See, not only are we to follow the Lord, but we're to begin to consecrate ourselves on a daily basis for the Lord to do great things. See, when I speak of consecration, I'm talking about uh, uh, devoting ourselves. I'm talking about setting ourselves apart from everything else that's going on around us or that's calling us to be a part of and belonging and worshiping and serving God and God alone. That's our priority number one. That we're going to separate ourselves from anything that would cause impurities, anything that would contaminate our relationship with God or would cause an issue with our relationship with God. I'm going to separate myself from it. I'm going to remove myself or remove that thing from my life. He says, listen, prepare yourself for tomorrow I'm about to move. I think that's important for us to understand this. Because even throughout the Word, it talks about uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, that it says, come out from them and be separate, says the Lord. Don't touch the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, present your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service of worship. Do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed. This is important. Consecration is so important. And we don't, I think we don't take it as serious as we should. Because the consecration is the preparation for God to do what God wants to do. Consecration begins the preparation stage in our lives. And I love it because what did he, what did he tell Joshua? He told Joshua, consecrate yourself because tomorrow I'm going to do this. See, I can't do amazing and wonderful things. Did you know that? We can't do amazing and wonderful things the way God can. But what we can do is we can consecrate ourselves and open up a whole new avenue, a whole new dimension for God to begin to do great and amazing and wonderful things. I can't do it. What I can do is consecrate. I can begin to get all the impurities and, and, and begin to block those things that try to creep in that would cause impurities. I, I can separate myself from those things that are not godly. You all got quiet. You all hooping and hollering earlier with following. Now I'm talking about like getting rid of stuff and you're like, He must be talking about someone else in here. He ain't talking to me about getting rid of stuff. Consecrate. Consecrate. And that's why I said earlier, I made mention of in the morning. Let me encourage you today. Let me encourage you to try something new. If you're not already doing this. Let me encourage you to give your very first time in the morning to God. Let me encourage you to give your first minutes, your first half hour, your first, four, you know how, how, how much you'll be connected. Let me encourage you to give that time to God. 
Because that first moment when we get up, that's when we're at our best. That's when we're the freshest in our mind. We haven't been cluttered with the news. We haven't been cluttered with the junk going on at work. We haven't been cluttered with the stuff going on at school. We haven't been cluttered with just the drive, because how many people know the drive can drive us crazy on the way to work, right? Especially like if you're on Niagara Falls Boulevard. Oh my Lord, I was on it yesterday. I needed Jesus yesterday in my car. I had a frog, though, with me. All the men know. We had a men's conference yesterday. They know what I'm talking about. See, because we get so like, ah! But in the morning, now, you can say, well, I'm not a morning person. I'm, I'm not awake yet. Well, Holy Ghost, wake me up. And the more we do it, the more we become accustomed to it. So instead of drinking coffee, get an espresso machine. Do whatever it takes to get awake. But give God the first. Give God the morning. That's when we're at our best. It's actually it's known as the principle of first. We, we do it with our tithe. We give God the first fruits of the provision of our tithe. It's the best. The first is the best. And so let me encourage you to, to give God your morning because it will help consecrate the day. You can pray about what you're going into. You can pray about what's about to happen. You can ask God to help and be with you, and you can, you can learn. And, 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 and this week, I'll be honest, I, I, this week I've made it a point to even get up earlier. And before, I, I let my dogs out, and then, and, then, and then I've been just sitting and listening to messages and reading, and, and oh my Lord, it's amazing. Not that it wasn't before, but it's a whole new dimension. Instead of getting up and having a cup of coffee, having doing this, straightening up this. Now it's like, dogs out, sit down, open up my Bible, open up my computer, turn on a, a pastor preaching, and just, 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 Lord, speak to me. Just, Lord, let, let me shut my mouth up, God. Tell me what you got to tell me. Do what you got to do with me. Help me, because today's going to be a crazy day. I know I got this, 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 and that, so here I am, Lord. Give God your first. Give God your best. Give God your best. And then this. So we're following, we're consecrating, we're giving God our first, and then we must live with an expectation of elevation. We must live expecting, believing, and hoping for amazing and wonderful things to happen. I don't think Joshua stood on the bank of the Jordan and said, yeah, I don't think it's really going to be that good over there. Do you guys? I mean, we're doing all right now that Moses is gone. Is it really? I mean, it's like 30 feet. I, honestly, I stood at the Jordan where they believed Joshua crossed, and literally, it wasn't flood season. It was like from me maybe to the back wall. You're talking less than 100 feet. I'm like, so they could have been like, it looks like the same place we're at. So why would we want to take this whole nation of people across this water? Why don't we just camp here? I don't think he did that. See, I think he realized the God that he served and the God that now called him to be a leader does amazing and wonderful things. He saw, the, he, 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 he saw God moving. He saw God consume the tent of meaning where Moses would go into because the Bible says that Joshua would actually stand outside the tent. And, and, and people would see and know Moses was going to meet with God, and they would come out, and they would stand out, and they would see Moses go into the tent, and the tent would be consumed with the cloud. So they knew, I believe Joshua knew, the awesome God that he served. And so if God was saying that where we're at is not as good as where we can go, I believe that they stood with an expectation. I believe they got up that morning and they began to like, Lord, if there's anything that's wrong in me, any impure thought, any, any, any impure actions that, that, that I've done yesterday, forgive me. God, purify me, make me whole and ready to go because you got something you want to do. I believe they got up and they were ready to go. They were looking and saying, oh yeah, there it is. We're going there because expectation is an anticipation and a looking forward to the coming of an occurrence or something happening. So they were expecting, they were, they were, they were, they were anticipating getting out of 
what they've been in for 40 years and going where God called them to go. The promise was right there in front of them, just a few hundred yards away. There it was. So I believe that they, were, they, were, they had a strong belief that this was going to be amazing. They had an expectation. Now, as humans, we and our expectations can be high or low. See, because <laughs> we do this sometimes. You don't. Other church people do. You guys are awesome. Amazing. Holier than holy. I'm going to go to church. Nothing good's going to happen today. They're not going to play my favorite song, so it'll be all right. I've been there. I've done that. When I was a kid, I, uh, I go listen to my dad preach again. He preaches at me every day. I got to listen to him on a Sunday preach. See, we can have high expectations or low expectations. We can have reasonable or unreasonable, big or small, good or bad. Because expectations, a lot of times, are based off of our thought process after examining some evidence. You know that, right? Expectations are, are beliefs, are, 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 are that anticipation of, uh, that, that are based a lot of times off of the process of, of, of our thought process of examining some type of evidence. And see, so what that tells me is then, if we're looking to have an expectation, what are we building that expectation on? Because there's two things we can build it on. We can build it on what the world is saying, or we can build it on what the Bible says. They're two different things. If I'm building my expectation of greatness of what God has for me off the world, it's not going to line up. Because most of the world says God doesn't even exist. And that God doesn't love you. And, and, and they sell us, they're trying to sell us a whole bunch of garbage. And so if I'm building an expectation off of that, it's going to be bad. It's going to be low. It's going nowhere. But I want to build it off a biblical expectation. I want to build it off biblical facts of what I know the Bible says, of what I know that God had already done in the past. And see, I think that's important because I believe Joshua, his expectation was built off of what took place in the past. I believe he looked when God called him and says, you're the new leader and I'm going to take you there. I, I believe that he had an expectation it was going to happen because he told Moses that he would take the people from Pharaoh and he got to the Red Sea and they stood in the Red Sea and now with the army's coming, he's going to kill him and all of a sudden the Red Sea opens up. So if God opened up the Red Sea, God can surely open up this little river to have this nation cross over. See, I believe he had an expectation that God was real because he stood outside the tent of meeting. And I believe, if you've ever been around the anointing or the presence of God, when God really begins to move, I don't care how close you are, but if you're in any type of proximity, you sense that anointing. You sense that weightiness of God. And so I believe when Joshua was standing at the tent of meeting, when that cloud would be there, when, even when the cloud would dissipate and leave, and there was still a linger of God's spirit, I believe he was so touched that he knew that he knew that he knew the God that he served was real, and anything that God would say would come to pass. And so he had a biblical expectation, I believe, of prior knowledge based off of what he saw and what he heard, that the supernatural God was about to do something supernatural again, about to take a nation to a promised land. And we too have to have that. See, I, I, my favorite one, my favorite one about expectation is the woman with the issue of blood. See, because she put her expectation in the world. The Bible says that she spent all... Now, now let me preface this story. Doctors are good. God uses doctors. Let me just say that. Okay? God uses doctors. Okay, so, but the woman with the issue of blood went to every doctor, spent all her money, and every doctor she went to, they couldn't fix what was going on. They just couldn't physically fix her. Okay? So she spent all her money, and at the end of the day, she was still going to die. It was, it was over. She was going to just die. But all of a sudden, something happened. She had an expectation, a supernatural expectation. See, because I believe she heard the stories. I believe maybe she even saw Jesus performing some miracles. And so her idea was this. All I have to do is touch his clothes. I just have to get close enough to grab a hold of the garment. I don't need him to look at me. I don't need him to anoint me with oil. 
I don't need him to pray over me. I don't need him to call me up under the platform. I just have to get close enough just to even touch a thread. Because if I touch a thread, I know who he is. And I know that if I just grab a hold of that, I will be made whole. And the Bible says that she got through the crowd. And, and, and if she touched the hem of the garment, you know what that tells me? She was crawling. Because how many of us, how many people would have walked up to Jesus and stood before him and then bent down and grabbed the hem of his garment? Really? Like if I'm walking up to Jesus, I'm like, I, I'm hugging. Because oh. that's what Christian brothers do. We hug. Bring it in here, Jesus. I'm hugging him. So if she's grabbing the hem of the garment, tells me she's on her hands and knees. She's crawling. She's doing everything possible because there's an expectation. Just touch it. Just touch it. She touched it. The Bible says that virtue left him. And she was made whole. To the point where even Jesus goes, who touched me? That's amazing. There's a crowd of people. Now, I was at, we were at a men's conference yesterday. And, and in between sessions, they have like this big open area with, with uh, vendors and food and all this. And, and people were touching people. They were bumping into people. I mean, that's the way it was. You can be standing there, people bump into you. And you know what it's like, right? You, you know what it's like. You go to a concert, you go somewhere, and people are bumping into you. you and Jesus is like, whoa, who touched me? The disciples are like, what do you mean who touched you, Jesus? Look at this. It's like, we're like sardines in this, in this little area here. Who, no, 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 no. It's different. It's different. Because the person that touched me, something left me. Who was it? Who touched me? Who, who, who believed enough just to touch me that that will leave me to heal you? And she's like, it was me, Jesus. He goes, ooh, your faith. Because faith is hope. Faith is believing in something that hasn't come to pass yet, but it will come to pass, right? Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Throw that up there. Let him read it. That's what it is right there. I'm following. I'm giving God. I'm following. I'm keeping a distance in my follow because I want to make sure that, that, that I don't take over and try to lead. I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to be a, a full-time disciple, not a part-time disciple. Full-time disciple. I'm consecrating daily. I'm giving God my mornings. I'm, uh, I'm doing all that's needed on my part. I'm, I have an expectation of that promise, that, that purpose, that prophetic vision, that prophetic dream that you gave me or someone spoke over my life that's going to come to pass. And, and now the season is here, and I have an expectation that, that you're about to do it, God. You're about to move. And if you read the rest of the story, everything that God told Joshua to do, Joshua did. And when Joshua did it, they crossed over. And I believe that word's for us today. I believe that that word is for us today. That we're crossing over. We're crossing over in a lot of different ways. In a lot of different dimensions and areas. We've come through terrible. You know, I said it in the first service, I'm going to say it in this service. No one will be offended. But we, some of us have literally came through hell over the past two and a half years. And we've got to this point. And praise God you're here. Praise God you didn't give up. Praise God you didn't quit. Praise God you put your trust in, in the living king. Praise God that you're reading and you're praying. Praise God that you're worshiping. Praise God that you have the tenacity and the courage to keep moving forward when we could have all just quit and gave up. But you know what? Here is not the destination. The destination is in front of us. It's still out there. It's still, praise God they got to the, to the river's edge. Praise God they got there. But that wasn't the final destination. It was to get to the promised land and beyond because even when you get to where God's called you to go, there's going to be more. There's more. We don't, there's more for what God has for you. But we got to follow. We got to be full time. We got we to consecrate. We got to give our mornings. We got we to have an expectation. I believe wholeheartedly if we begin to apply those simplistic but very difficult things, commands, directives, we will see change. Some of us will begin to obtain sooner than later. 
Some of us will be walking in the land of milk or honey by the end of the week, by the end of the day. But can you do it? Can you do it? Let's stand to our feet. My biggest struggle was following. In the beginning, was following. Because I always thought I knew everything to be the right way. Why should someone tell me what to do? We'll be real. This is the mindset that we have. I know it's right for my life. I know it's right for my family. I think God might know a little bit more. But these are the conversations that we battle with. And maybe you struggle following. You gotta surrender, you gotta, you gotta let go. It was the hardest part, is letting go. Because when you let go and we're consumed by the Spirit of God, the struggle to consecrate becomes easier. Because we're connected to the Father. And so as God's downloading stuff in us, and telling us what should be or shouldn't be uh, in us or we should, should it or shouldn't be involved in, it becomes easier because I'm following and not trying to lead. But you got to get alone with God, and that's why the morning is so important. Let me just say this, and morning is not 12 midnight if you've been up all day because you still got all that stuff. It's get a good night's sleep and get up. but you may struggle. And I want to pray for your struggle. I want to pray for your struggle. If you struggle real quick, run down here with any of those. I've been there. If you struggle, I'm only preaching because I've been there. God. Nobody struggles. You do realize we are in the house of God. Anyone else? Struggle. Struggle with surrender. Struggle with thought. All right, now I'm going to use a money term, and some of you may be offended, but let me say this. If God were to tell you right now to write a check for $1,000 to some place, not the church, some other foundation, and you knew it was God, and you are like, but God, but God, no, no, no. That's a struggle. God's asking for something. Because I use money because money is so close to our heart. You struggle. Huh? We have people coming from the back. It's awesome. Anyone else? You struggle. Don't be embarrassed. I pray about things daily. I'm human. I'm an emotional human being. Hey, Lord, Lord, help me with, with my response to people when it can go sideways. Help me, God, not to get angry. Help me, God, to be more compassionate. Help me, God, these are my prayers that I have. Anyone else? Father, stretch your hands for, for our, fr- our family here. Father, I thank you for everyone standing at this altar this morning. Lord, you shared a word with us today from Scripture that is so motivating that that really should inspire us, should encourage us, should, should make us run laps around the sanctuary because, God, you're calling us and you want to take us to the promised land. You want to take us to f- the fulfillment of those things that you've promised and given us, plans, dreams, visions, whatever they may be. But God, to get to that process, there are steps that are needed. And and Lord, we struggle in those steps. Our flesh overtakes. Our flesh becomes weak. We allow our thoughts and our perceptions to become realities. 
we are half-time instead of full-time. We allow the impurities to overtake. Whatever the struggle may be, Lord, you know us individually. You, your word says that you know even the number of hair on each one of our head. You know, you know how many there are. That's how intricate you know us because you wonderfully created us. And so, Lord, you know our struggle. We don't need to scream it out loud. You know what's going on on the inside. So, Father, I pray right now for everyone standing here this morning, those who are watching online, those who are listening on the podcast later on this week. Father, I pray that in the name of Jesus, that if the struggle is with following God, you help us. First, you help us to hear your voice with greater clarity. You give us the courage and the strength to step up. God, you show us when we're becoming too bossy and trying to lead you. Lord, help us to follow. Help us to follow when it's not the popular thing. Help us to follow when it's not, 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 not pleasing to other people around us. Help us to follow when everybody else is, is laughing and mocking. Help us to follow when it seems to be the most difficult time. Empower us. Open our ears and eyes in Jesus' name. Father, as we learn to set time aside, meet with us. Meet with us. You met with Moses in the tent. Let, let our tent be wherever it may be in our houses, at our, at our breakfast bar, at our, our living room, in our bedroom, in whatever room or whatever area. Lord, meet with us as you met with, like you met with them. That we can draw closer to you and you can draw closer to us. Help us to remove those things that hinder, those things that contaminate, those things that, God, you see as abominations. Help us to understand the importance of consecration as we surrender our mornings unto you. And God, help us to continue to have an amazing, elevated expectation of where you're taking us and what you're going to do. Father, we surrender all that we are today to you. I thank you, God. I thank you for how you're moving. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. I want to give the Lord a hand clap. Amen. You guys can grab a seat. I just have um, two quick announcements. Uh, Easter is right around the corner. Hard to believe, right? Easter's here already. Uh, Easter Sunday service, both services will be the same. Good Friday service will be a little bit different this year. Uh, there is a spirit of unity in the body of Christ like never before in our community. And so a bunch of churches have decided to get together and do Good Friday service together. Um, some churches chose not to do it with us, and that's okay. But we're going to be doing a combined, uh, unified Good Friday service, ourselves, uh, Pastor Doug's church, and then also Pastor Paul Gartley, who pastors the McKinley uh, Wesleyan, or Revive Wesleyan now. Um, we've built relationship with the local pastors beyond, like I've never seen before in all my years of ministry. And so we all have a part, our, each church has a part in this service together, because we want the body to come together unified to worship Jesus. It's not about a church, it's about the kingdom. It's, a, it's about lifting up Jesus. And so we're gonna to come together and we're gonna celebrate and we're gonna, we're gonna answer the question, why was it so good? Why, why is it Good Friday when it's full of death and hurt? And all, we're gonna answer those questions to, to encourage you to come celebrate Sunday morning at your house of worship. So, so I invite you to come to that. And then also, I talked last week, because I know some people come to both services. Now that we've pushed through and we're, we're, we're crossed that Jordan, we're going back to 8.30 instead of 8.15. So Palm Sunday will be the first time that we go back to the normal time of 8.30. I know our worship team's excited about that. <laughs> They're like, woohoo, yeah. Uh, so uh, 8.30 instead of 8.15, and so we'll be there. Then the last thing is this. With Easter, we always do a lily sale. Where we purchase lilies, we decorate the platform, and then after service, you take them home with you. Uh, those will be on sale, $11 a lily. 
Uh, they did go up a dollar. I know people are asking that <laughs> earlier. It's inflation, just inflation. Went up a dollar. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. And so you can, you can sign up to purchase one of those, and I take it after service on Easter. So, But God bless you. Let's take our offering. If you need prayer, myself, Pastor Scott, Pastor Rob will be here to pray with you for anything else that you may need. Thanks for being with us today. I hope you were blessed. hope you were challenged. I hope God spoke to you and really encouraged you to, to do the promised land's there. It's right there. Let's step into it. So God, thank you for today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for our amazing church family. God, thank you for the blessing. Thank you for the move that you're going to begin to do in a greater dimension in their lives. Father, thank you for provision. Thank you that you have provided all that we need. And now we come and we give our first, we give our best to you with the tithe and the offering. Father, bless it and multiply it as we continue to build the kingdom of God and not the kingdom of man. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. God bless you. Have a great day. We'll be here for prayer if you need anything.